Good morning. My name is Ray, one of the pastors here, and we welcome you to this time. Uh, also, those of you who are watching online, it's nice to have you with us as well. Uh, we're going to jump into the word here in a minute. Uh, first off, that whole chaos dash thing was something to see. Uh, my grandsons did it, and they had a great time. And I tell you, it was just amazing uh, to watch, and I can't believe how muddy people got. I mean, there was mud everywhere. It was just muddy. Uh, I ran the whole thing and didn't get an ounce of mud on me. And so I know you're struggling with that, so I want to show you. Uh, go ahead and show the video here. Toughest, toughest 20 yards I ever ran. But it was a lot of fun. It's a strategic event for us because it, 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 it lets the kids get used to being here. And then we talked to them about camp. We want to take a lot of those kids that came to camp and then get them in, in C7 and then get them in life groups and let Jesus change their lives from the inside out. That's the strategy. And you can have a part in that. Uh, the camp they go to is an incredible camp. It's, it's one of the nicest camps in the Northwest. At the same time, it is, it is expensive, and we need some scholarships. So if after the service you could give $100 out at the hub to help a kid go to camp, that would be great. Now, normally I'd ask for a show of hands, and if enough doesn't come in, I'll do that next week. So, or Adam will. One of the two of us will. <laughs> and, uh, but let's help with this, because it's, it's a worthy endeavor. It's a worthy cause to be involved in. So let's, let's do that. Uh, also, it's Father's Day, and we welcome all the fathers. We congratulate those online and those here in this service. You carry a, a huge burden for the family, and so we honor you today. We not only honor our fathers, but every man who is a husband, who is in the community doing things for the Lord Jesus Christ. We honor you today, and we thank you for just your service and the value that you have in our culture, in our community. Uh, you mean a lot, and so we, we honor you. Also, it's June, therefore there's a lot of graduations going on. Congratulate all the graduates who, who have graduated. May I say to you, the easy part of your life is over. And now the real fun begins, so go get them. And uh, so just uh, thank you for being here. Uh, we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Adam started us off uh, Philippians 1 last week, and today we're in chapter 2, and you, uh, a lot of it's going to come up on the screens, but if you can open up your Bibles or your electronic devices to Philippians 2 and follow along, that would be great today. So let's jump right in this morning. Uh, here we go. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's a powerful passage of scripture there, isn't it? Kind of encapsulates the Christian life. This is what we're to be about. This is, this is the Christian experience. Paul just gives us in one paragraph, he gives us the essence of what it means to be a Christ follower today. And uh, you know, I, I've read this passage a dozen times, spoken on it, everything over the last 30, 35 years. And, and there's a part that never really caught my attention like it did this time. In fact, if you'll go back to the first part there, thank you. If any contenders and compassion, then make my joy complete. That's what caught me. Make my joy complete. What, what does that mean? What does it mean to have complete joy today? 
I don't mean partial joy or kind of sort of joy or the joy that is a little bit phony or that gets confused with happiness. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about the joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ, the joy that is to be lived out and expressed in our daily lives out there in the world because of the Holy Spirit of God living within us. What does that look like really? I mean, this verse is very similar to John chapter 15 and verse 11 where Jesus said this. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? Complete. Complete joy. Well, what does it mean to have complete joy? Now, a lot of times when I, when I look at scripture or in any part of my life, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll use the, the pyramid or the triangle. It's nothing biblical. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the Masons. It's not anything. It's just a triangle. And it's got some words in it, okay? Just so we're all clear on that. And, uh, but what we do is we start with the results at the top. Then we look at the, at the actions that it takes to achieve the results. We look at the beliefs that our actions are built upon bringing the results. And then we fill our lives with the experiences that begin to deepen and firm and form our beliefs. Our belief as Christ followers is that all we say and do is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Everyone together? Just a basic tool. You can do this with finances. You can do this with your health. You can do this with your family. You can do this with anything if you just take some time to do it. So let's start with the result. What we'll do is we'll go up here, we'll establish the result, and then we'll go back down. We'll talk, we'll talk about the experiences. We'll talk about the experiences. We'll talk about the beliefs, and we'll talk about the actions that bring the results. We all together in that? Okay, buckle up, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rev up here. So here we go. Uh, so now the result. Go and put that back up there. And you're doing great, by the way. Uh, result, complete joy. That's the result we're looking for in our life today. We want complete joy. Now, the word complete, it means things like it means being whole. It means perfect. It means finished. So in other words, I want whole joy. I want finished joy. I want, I want uh, perfect joy. Coming through my relationship, Jesus said I could have complete joy. What does it look like today? How do we possess that kind of joy? And furthermore, how do you and I actually live it out there where life, where life really happens? It's okay to smile in here. We make a few jokes, sing a few songs. How can you not be joyous? But at the end of the day, how do we live with joy out there when the externals of life begin to press in on us? When, when you've got all this pressure and this stress and this anxiety coming at you from every which way, how do we as Christ followers live with joy, complete joy, in that situation? So what we'll do, we'll go to the bottom now. We'll talk about our experiences. What kind of experiences do I need to develop beliefs, to develop actions that bring that kind of result? And so here's what I wrote. This is, this is mine. You can change it however you want. Experience. I will experience the love and encouragement of Christ. I will eagerly anticipate the Spirit of God teaching me tenderness and compassion for others. I will watch for opportunities to walk in another person's shoes, be loving instead of unloving, choose humility instead of pride, and glory in the chance to be generous. That's what I think the experiences are that build belief, that build actions, that build the result in our lives today. So what's that look like? Let's walk through it. First part is I will experience the love and encouragement of Christ. At the end of the day, you're here today. Most of you in this room are here. Some of you are here because your wife made you come. I get it. But a lot of you are here because you recognize that if there's any joy, if there's any love to be had, it's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. 
You can't truly express and know joy until you come with the, uh, in contact with the one who gives joy to us through his death and resurrection, who imparts to us salvation and forgiveness and joy, complete joy in Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. Secondly, I would say this, not only must I know and experience the love of Christ through his death and resurrection, I have to enjoy the encouragement of Christ. In other words, how many know that one day, we just talked about it for four or five weeks, Jesus Christ is coming back. That ought to encourage everybody here. Jesus Christ is coming back. It's going to change the world from uh, all over the place. It's going to be incredibly exciting. That ought to bring encouragement. Now, sometimes we stop there, but there's more. The Bible says, or I'm saying through what I read in Scripture, I will eagerly anticipate. I, I, I went back and forth over the word eagerly. But to be honest with you, we don't eagerly anticipate God speaking to us anymore. We kind of, sort of, know it will happen, but we're not real sure, and if it does, we have the choice of saying no. So I think we ought to eagerly anticipate the Spirit of God teaching me tenderness and compassion for others, for other people. Listening to the voice, the Spirit of God teaching me. The, the fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 and 22 said this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the work of the Spirit of God, or as I say, the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing, though. We have to give the Holy Spirit room to work. Right? Because we fill our lives with so much you know, it is true. I know it's cliche, but it is true. God's still speaking. We're just not listening. And the reason we're not listening is because we're too busy. I was at lunch with one of the guys on staff, and he said, Pastor Ray, I, I, I just finished a 40-day social media fast. For, calm down. I'm not asking any of you to do it. It's like, that'd be like withdrawals. No, don't do that. <laughs> Give me my fix, man. I need something. I need Instagram. Uh, no, I'm not talking about that. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there for a minute. I'm back. But he had, to, he had to take 40 days and not do any of that stuff. What was he doing? He was making space. Because you can't hear from God until you allow him to speak, and you can't, he won't speak until you give him space. So sometimes the Bible's still true. You have to be still and know that he is God, and that means to refrain. It, it, it's not, I, I'm not just talking social media. It could be a television show. Maybe some of you need to withdraw from watching The Bachelorette or The Bachelor. You know, maybe you need to take a break from that. I understand the season's over. This would be a good time. So, uh, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's what you need to do. For me, it, for me, I maybe need to hold back up on the Murdoch Mysteries. I love that Canadian show, The Murdoch Mysteries. I'm old-fashioned. I like old stuff. But whatever it is, you need to refrain. For some of you, and I say this lovingly, you need a 40-day fast from CNN and Fox News. You, you really do. I mean, I think it would do wonders for your family. I guarantee you the wife say, my husband has returned to me, like the prodigal. And so that's just my words of encouragement. Again, I'm just being facetious. I don't really mean that. But if I did, you should do it. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, but you got to make, make space. You got to make opportunity. I will watch for opportunities to walk in another person's shoes. That, that's an old saying, learning to walk in another person's shoes. Well, I think we should. See, our shoes fit so comfortably, we just want to wear ours. And we forget that other people have circumstances and stress points in their lives that maybe we ought to learn about and understand. 
What does it mean to walk in another person's shoe or culture or financial situation or deal with their stress points or look and see their point of view on an issue? Some of us are so comfortable in our own shoes, we don't want to do any of that. And what I'm saying is, I think if we're going to be tender and compassionate as the Holy Spirit gives us opportunity, this is something we're going to have to do. Be loving instead of unloving. Choose humility instead of pride and glory in the chance to be generous. Practicing, looking for opportunities to practice empathy, to practice love instead of hate, uh, to practice love in, instead of indifference, to practice humility instead of, instead of pride. Instead of pride. <sighs> you know, we, we struggle with pride. I mean, all of it, none of us here are like prideful people. And a lot of people, they just, you, you look at them and say, man, that's a prideful person. Yeah, but you know, a lot of us are prideful without showing it. Does that make sense? A lot of us are prideful in where no one else can see. And sometimes it comes out and sometimes it div- doesn't. But pridefulness is not simply the action of being prideful. It's the spirit with which we are prideful. And some of us need to really work on that. I, there have been times I've struggled with, with pride. And so, you know, it's like uh, Tim Norton sent me a picture of a guy out in front of South Hill Mall just a couple, three days ago. He had this little, this placard on that said one thing, repent of pride. The church would radically change in a heartbeat if we would repent of pride and do what Jesus and the apostle Paul and everyone else said, learn to walk in humility. I know that it's important for me as well. Uh, glory, it said, glory and opportunities and the chance to be generous. I'm not talking about your money. All of you are going to go out the hub. We're going to pay for a, 200 kids to go to camp. That's not an issue. I'm talking about learning to be generous with our words, with our kindness, learning to be generous with our kindness of words. See, a lot of us are generous with words that cut and tear down and hurt. And what the, Lord's, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me is saying this, Be generous with your kindness. Be generous with words that build up and not tear down. Be generous with words that build up and not tear down. Holy Spirit would say to me, and I think to you, be generous with praise. See, a lot of time we're generous with criticisms. Be generous with praise. Dads, you can change the world through a young person if we'll learn these things. Be generous with words. Be generous with praise. And build up and not tear down. That for every one tear down, you give them 10 build ups. Does that make sense? 10 build-ups for every one teardown. Be generous in our hugs. Now, I've got a bunch of people waiting out there after the service to hug me because they've heard this service sermon three times, and they know I'm not a real hugger, so I'm going to be out the side door. And, <laughs> and, um, but we have to learn to be open with, with, with embracing. And, you know, the church spoke about uh, embracing and, and having those, if you will, those, those holy touches to not let people know we're together and that they matter to us. I think we need to be generous with, with forgiveness. Generous with forgiveness. Because far too often in my life, and I think maybe in your life, we've not been generous. We've been selfish with forgiveness. And the Apostle Paul says, if we really want to change the world, if we really want complete joy, I'm going to have to dispense forgiveness lavishly. There's that word, I love it, lavishly. To be lavish in forgiving those who have done something in our lives, learning to do these kinds of things. Now, if I take those opportunities and I take those experiences of getting out there in the real world and living that way, what it does is it begins to change my belief system. It begins to change my belief and my belief comes down to this in one sentence. I believe Christ died for all and the Spirit will prompt me to care for others. 
See, what it does is when we get out there and we start practicing those experiences that Paul talks about, we begin to change our values and our belief systems and we become men and women who truly, in this midst of chaos, in this, in this hateful, bitter resentfulness that we are experiencing in our culture today, there will be a group of people who stand up and says, I believe Christ died for you and the Holy Spirit prompts me to care for you. And man, nothing changes people than that. Nothing changes people more than hearing say, you matter enough that I'm gonna care for you. I don't know that I agree with you. I don't know that we're ever gonna get on the same page, but I'm gonna lay the differences aside and I'm gonna care for you in Jesus' name because my God and this book called the Bible demands it. It's the call of the church. And, and we can twist it, we can change it, we can massage it, we can do whatever we want, but you're not gonna change the word. It is what it is, it is what it is to you and I today. Christ died for all, and so our experiences form our beliefs, and, and so we have to ask a question. I'm not talking, you know, there's some finer points, do I believe Christ died for all, and we're getting a theological argument, and I, 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 I don't want to, and I won't. I believe Christ died for all. It's not my job to judge who gets into heaven and who keep, is kept out of heaven. It's not my job, job right now. I just want us to focus in on caring enough for people to believe Christ died for all and if the Spirit and the Spirit will prompt me to care for other people. Do I believe Christ died for all? Do I believe the Spirit will prompt me to care for other people? Because the work of the Holy Spirit is usually always in, in the midst of, of relationship. It's always in relationship with God. It's in relationship with the, within each other. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so do I believe that today? Uh, you know, uh, Mary came home from one of the, I think it was a trainer's meeting or something, shared the story, and I'm going to share it, and, and it, it was just this story of someone who had done some work for one of the, the guys here at the church, and uh, he did the work, did a great job, got paid for it, went on his way to his car, and uh, felt the Holy Spirit say, give the money back, give the money back. And he chose not to, he got in his car, and this is a good man, he just chose not to do it. I'm glad I've never done that. I'm glad I've never said the Holy Spirit, no, I'm, do whatever, what you will, Lord, and I'll do whatever you say. That's, that's me. How many know that's not me? How many know I'm just as guilty as this guy in this context? But he, he drove off, and so it, it's, a, it's a, I don't know what the time frame is later, say a year, he's back, he's working with this guy, and he said to the group, the Holy Spirit prompted me again, give the money back. See, that's the Holy Spirit for you, won't let us go. That's the Holy Spirit for you. Keep, keep, keep knocking on the door of our hearts, wanting us to do the right thing and want us to, to respond to his voice. What's interesting is he gives the money back. Turns out that this was the moment the guy needed the money more than even the other time. It's that faithfulness of the Holy Spirit speaking. Uh, here's my point, friends. And, you know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're 15 minutes from getting out of here. Give me 15, 20, maybe an hour more time. Than, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's joy in doing the right thing. There's joy in obedience. You know that stuff that the world entices you with, that thing, I won't even get off on the tangents that I did last time, but those things only bring joy, or I can't even call it joy. Those, those experiences do something for you in the moment, but that's not joy. Don't ever confuse it for that. It may be a buzz, it may be whatever, but it's not joy. Doing the right thing, being obedient brings joy. You know how I know that? Because here, here's the thing. Matthew 25, Jesus is talking to the disciple or talking to, to some disciples and he said this. He said, then the king will say to those on his right, this is not up here, it's in Matthew 25, it's an add-on. Uh, then the king will say to those on my right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. 
the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, did you catch that? I'm going to read that again because that's pivotal. Listen closely. The king will say to those, come who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you. Okay, got it. So the kingdom is prepared for whatever Jesus is going to say next. And, and maybe, maybe it's because I go to church faithfully. Maybe it's because I, I give. Maybe it's because I serve. Maybe he's going to say all those things and, and I'm going to be able to stand up and say, all these things I've done, Lord. And then Jesus just flips the tables, flips their whole understanding. He said this, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison you came to visit me. You can imagine there, what? Come on. He said, they said, Jesus, when did we see any of that? What, what was going on? And Jesus then nails them, nails them and he nails us. And he said this, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So let's make sure I understand what you just heard. I'm not talking salvation, but the rewards and inheritance of heaven is based on what? Giving a cup of cold water in his name. Daring to stop and talk with someone who needs a listening ear. Daring to give of yourself to someone else in whatever form or fashion you know, every year I go back and I see my friend in prison. Every year I go back. I'm going back in August this year just to spend four hours on a Saturday with him in, in prison. Go sit in the big room and look at the other prisoners and talk with him for four hours and then I'll fly home. Why? You know, the truth is he's not that great a friend. I don't mean that mean. I'm just saying it's that there's something in my spirit that says, get on the plane and go. That's one of the times I've been successful. I can tell you all the times I've failed miserably, but that's not near as fun. But I'm just saying, the Holy Spirit says, do these things. And then once I understand the belief that Christ died for all and the Spirit will prompt me, then it moves into, into, into the actions of my life. Actions daily, I will, live, uh, I will love others as Christ loves me and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I will do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. I will be humble, kind, and generous to those around me. See, beliefs are always lived out. Our, our beliefs inform our actions. And if there's no belief system there, if there's no belief that Jesus Christ died for all and the Holy Spirit still speaks, we won't do these things. I will love others as Christ loves me. How many of us are deeply loved by the Lord Jesus Christ? All of us, deeply loved. I mean, no one else died for you but Jesus. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. That's always a hard one, isn't it? I mean, honestly, uh, Mary and I were expecting some things the other day and they didn't come when we expected them to be there and I finally turned to her and said, I'll go get them. I was getting hot and I don't mean the weather. So I stomp out to my car and I get in the car and start driving down Upshaw Road. I'm going to turn on whatever that street is there. Head towards South Hill Mall. and You know, off on a tangent, can I just tell you, sometimes this word of God, this Bible, is a real pain. <laughs> is it okay to say? Is that legal? You know why? Because sometimes the Bible hits me where I live. Dang it. So I'm driving, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to Philippians chapter 2. That whole vain conceit, selfish ambition thing. And the Holy Spirit starts to speak into my soul. Huh, where are you going, Ray? 
I'm going to go take care of this today. Are you? What's your attitude? And man, the words of, of Paul hit me and started smacking me around a little bit. Because that's what the word of God does. It doesn't just make you feel good. It beats the snot out of you sometimes. Is, okay, is, that, is that okay to say? What were you expecting? That it would just agree with everything you did? I mean, it's the Bible for crying out. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And sometimes it's going gonna, it's gonna to say, you can't do that. Hear me today. It's going to say to you, you can't do that. And then, then the choice is now yours. Then you choose whether to heed or not heed. It's up to you. But this Bible does that. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak into my heart to where I can't go with that attitude. I can't be that prideful. Remember that pride we talked about earlier? You know what I was struggling with? Pride. Well, they can't do that to me. I deserve better. I'm a customer. I got to teach them customer service. They, their, their leadership's lacking. And I'm just going on. on my, and the Holy says, Really? By the time I get there, I mean, literally, if, if my bruises showed, I'd be black and blue. <laughs> and I walk in, and what they see is, they see, you know what they see? They see the real me, not the shadow me. See, the real me's been saved by grace. That's the real me. The shadow me is the angry, trigger-happy person who, t- who treats people the wrong way. That's the shadow me. That's not the real me. The real me has been saved by grace in Jesus Christ. And that's important to do because sometimes, for instance, I was at, at IHOP a long time ago, and this server, Lord Lover, she was messing everything up. I mean, it's breakfast. How badly can y'all mess that up? And I'm looking, I'm getting fed up with the timing, the this, the that, this doesn't come. And, and, and by the time I'm, I'm in the, it's just terrible. Just terrible. Wow. It's just breakfast. How do you mess that up? And again, that still small voice says, don't say anything. She's had a rough day. She's stressed. She's got all these tables, all that stuff. So I don't say a word, and I'll never forget. She looks at me. She says, listen. She slows down enough. She sees me, and she says, aren't you Pastor Ray from Calvary Community Church? (laughs) That's a game changer, friends. That's a game changer. So our actions, you know, and I will be humble, kind, and generous to those around me. It's tough to do sometimes because people are irritating. Is that right? Is that, is that legal? People are, they're annoying. They, they just are. I never am, but everyone else, everyone else is annoying and irritating. Except me. And the, <laughs> then I'll read this line. I will be humble. Oh. That includes me, doesn't it? I will be humble, kind, and generous to those around me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit calls me to. The context of living out the fruit of the Spirit is in community. The context of living out what Jesus has to say is with other people. No man is an island. No woman is the lone rangeress. The ranger. There's a, I didn't know what to do with that. Uh, but my actions reveal Christ's love. My actions reveal my listening to the Holy Spirit. I will run from selfish ambition. And so, uh, and so let's get to the result again. So now we've, we went from result down to experience, down to uh, our, our, our beliefs, up to actions, and now we're right back to this. 
because it's all that below that brings complete joy. And I wish I could tell you there was a shortcut to real complete joy. There's not. It comes through Christ, reinforced by the Holy Spirit, lived in community with others through the word of God. It's complete joy that must flow outward from us to others. It's about giving. It's about being generous. Who's our greatest example? Our greatest example is verses six and eight, Philippians two. Listen closely. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. <clears throat> One of my daughters wants me to speak to this young man uh, about Christianity. He's already talked to the really smart people and academics, and now we're down to me. And uh, I take no offense at that. The only thing I have to share with this young man is this passage of scripture. Because you take that passage of scripture away and I have nothing to say, I've got nothing to live for, I've got no one to live for. Because what, what thrills my soul and what gives me the reason to hang in when sometimes I look at the church world and I want to bail is this one truth. Jesus Christ divested himself of divinity, became human to point and was obedient to point of death on the cross. That says it all for me. I can't convince, I can't persuade, but what I can say is this, for some reason, because Jesus Christ died for me, I want to follow him. Because Jesus died, I want to love him. Other than that very basic, I look at Christianity, I look at Islam, I look at Judaism, and I see flaws, and I see problems in all three major religions today. If it's about religion for you, you're never going to make it. It must be about relationship to Jesus Christ because he died and he rose again. And because he lives, I get to live. No other leader, no other religion, no other person ever died for me but Jesus. And that wins the day for me. How about you? And because he died, I can experience complete and total joy today. He made himself nothing, became a servant. And then the point of it all, real quickly as we get ready to close. Therefore, my dear brothers, as you all, no one leave. I'm not done. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God, for, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You know what we do? We get caught up, where's the, where are those words? You know, it's written a long time ago, but it's the words fear and trembling. <gasps> Pastor Ray, how do I work out my salvation with fear and trembling? It's really a lot easier than you think. All that means is, when you, when you think about your salvation, look at it and experience it with a deep reverence. That's the fear, deep reverence. Trembling means deep understanding and a sense of awe. So when you think about what Jesus Christ did for you, do so with a deep reverence, a deep understanding, and a sense of awe for the finished work of Jesus on your behalf. That's not the point of the text. The point of the text is down here. The point of the text is, for it is God who works in you to will and to act and to act. What's that mean? Well, you have to go up to the scriptures. You have to go all the verses above, back to one and five. 
to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In other words, as we treat our husbands and wives differently, as we, as we handle our children and grandchildren with, with, with love, as we become forgiving people, as we move forward in that, it fulfills not your purpose, not my purpose, but his purpose, and that's the call of God on every single Christ follower there is in the world today, to fulfill the purposes of God. Finally, last passage, right before everyone sings and you guys try to leave. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Isn't it funny, Paul thought his generation was warped and crooked? Hey, Paul, come 2,000 years later, see how it's working. But what does he say? And you know, you know the funny thing? Wouldn't matter if it was then or now, the apostle Paul would say the same thing. Shine, like them, uh, shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Shine like stars in the sky. Graduates, you want to go change the world? Shine like stars in a wicked and perverse generation. Dads, you want to change the world? Shine like stars in a wicked and perverse generation. Moms, everyone. You remember a couple weeks ago I told you that story of the phone call I made to my friend? Picked up the phone and said, what are you doing? And he said, how much do you know? And it went downhill from there. Wow. Terrible conversation. He was in the car leaving his home, his family, his marriage. And it was breaking my heart. Makes you kind of leery of picking up the phone again. But yesterday I made another phone call. Guy I hadn't talked to in about a year. His name's Don. And Don's here in the service today. Called Don and I, I said, how you doing? And Don shared with me, he's had some health issues and uh, he's in a, you know, he, he, he's not walking like he used to, he's in a wheelchair and shared with me all the things that he is, was going through. He has people, he has family living with him and he has home care, which a lot of people uh, in that age range. Don Skinner's 92 years old. He's 92. But whenever I talk with Don, you know what he always tells me? He always tells me about, hey, we, I went so-and-so, I went this place, and I shared, I shared with them about Jesus. Still sharing Jesus. He said yesterday on the phone that when, when the home care comes in, he says he tells them up front that they're not leaving until he prays with them. Don at 92 years old has, in my opinion, complete joy because he knows Jesus loves him. He knows that the Holy Spirit of God is still using him at 92 years of age to speak out the message of the gospel. And number three, he's fulfilling the purposes of God in his life at the age of 92. Friends, my exhortation to me and to you is this. If at 92 he's still going, what about us? We can walk in complete joy today. In fact, the world is hungry for someone to have complete joy because they are, they're looking for it so desperately. It's like the song says, they're looking for it in all the wrong places. Today, if you want to be a person who changes the world, walk in complete joy. His love, his humility, his purpose in you and I today. Let's hear the voice of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you are today. We love you. We thank you for loving us. 
We thank you for your patience and your forbearance when we get caught up in things that don't really matter. We thank you that your love never fails, your grace never ends, and your mercy endures forever. Lord, touch our hearts today with the reality of, of how to have joy, perfect, whole, finished joy, this side of heaven. May it be as we give ourselves away, as we use words of praise and words of forgiveness, words of hope, as we love the unlovely, as we pray for our enemies, as we do everything in our natural realm we don't want to do, we pray your Holy Spirit still speaks and that we still listen. And if there's anyone in this room who's like me who needs to make a little bit more space, may we do so today. Because Lord, there's nothing more than being in love and loved by you. In your name.